ladies and skeletons, boys and girls, cherubs go to bed. It's that time once again for the salty speculation. And I have some sad news, my brothers and sisters, for we have a demon in the house today. A demon that is designed to steal your very soul. A demon whose sole purpose is to inform you on weird facts about rocks. A demon who has infested this show for far too long. I am Father JJ Puddin, and I need y'all to help me expunge this demon from the human home he's managed to claim within my fellow co-host body. Nick, feel the power, feel the Holy Spirit. Demon, release Nick back to the ears of the listeners. The power of Anchor FM compels you. Oh, ah. Hello. I don't know where I was just now. Well, you've been gone for God knows how long, but uh, don't worry, mate. We found that demon. It was it was cold and, and dark, and I was sweaty. I found an ancient spell in Gaelic and Latin and translated it and managed to bring you back. Do you feel okay? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think I've lost five pounds. But other than that, I'm good. Are, are we talking weight or currency? Uh, a little bit of both. Both are bad. Both are bad. Tell me this. What was the, what was the last episode you remember? What number? I think it was like... 15 or something oh god you've missed a lot because we're on episode 20 ladies and gentlemen no what happened oh you've missed a lot we talked about bigfoot there was there was a guy who kept fighting a war even though the war was over and uh, a guy who castrated himself so we covered a lot oh well i'm sorry to have missed it all i guess i'll have to go back and listen that is the beauty of the podcast <laughs> no yeah, that is true available on spotify and apple no I know you people are probably thinking, what is with this craziness? Well, this wasn't roleplay, but it was an elaborate setup. Wait, wait, I put on my maid outfit for nothing? That's for later. That's oh, for after, that's for after the recording. But <laughs> today's topic is indeed demonic or paranormal possessions, if you will. Now, we've tried to stick with cases which have been fully documented, not just ones that I've you know come across in things like forums and stuff, because there's nothing to really back that up. It could just be a case of creative writing. My theory is, if it has its own Wikipedia page, <laughs> like the actual possession itself, not just possession, then it's valid enough for us to discuss it. It means there's a place you can go to get your notes. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, obviously, we don't just use Wikipedia for notes, but not, we're not rank amateurs. But no, so essentially, like, to be a, to be possessed is to essentially to have your mind and body completely taken over by some external demonic entity, uh, where the demon will be in the driver's seat as it makes your body do and say things, whilst you simply watch from within your own head. You're simply a vessel. That is all you are. It's funny because, like, out of all my research that I've done for this, I haven't come across one example where someone's possessed by something good or nice. No, never. It's never like possessed by a, a leprechaun or something. Yeah, or just a squirrel wants... or something. Like, yeah, a, a squirrel. Know. Or like, imagine being like possessed by I don't know the spirit of Christmas. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like it's like one day you wake up, white beard, giving presents out. No, no, no. It's always like Vasmuth, the yeah. evil demon from Indian folklore, and you're just like, but why is he here? I live in Liverpool. Why is he bothering me? <laughs> like, you know, it's always it's always such a strange mix. But from what I can gather from what uh, the experts, and I, I use that phrase quite loosely, the experts deem that the whole purpose of being possessed is that this demon will put so much mental stress onto the victim that eventually the victim will give in to an offer to offer up their own soul so that 
the demon will essentially stop the torture. And of course, that's a daft thing to do, because giving away your soul doesn't mean that the demon's just going to run away with it. The demon now has your body permanent. It now has a permanent host. And you, as a person, will be lost to Limbo for eternity. And Limbo is a tough game when you get to the end. It's, it is. It is a tough game. And also, really also, it's another form of human torture. But it's got great music. But it's got yeah, great music, Caribbean yeah. drums. It's, it's, it's just got a bit of Tito Puente on there. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that is essentially what demonic possession is. And as you can see, well, I say as well, you, you can see, see as, you, as you can hear, we have performed the first and only, you know, successful exorcism ever. Because Nick's fine. And I did that. I mean, I wouldn't say fine. That's, that's nothing to do with the demon. He did that before. Oh, never, yeah. My, I've never understood why. One of my many other problems. <laughs> amongst many, many, many problems. But we can't fix everything with a little bit of Latin. Not that I spoke Latin to fix them but in the first place. you could refund me £5, and that would fix my other problem. Uh, I owe you. Um, <laughs> but essentially, that is what the whole thing with possession is. There have been... The, the only way that it seems that if you fully believe in demonic possession anyway, it seems like that the only way to actually handle and be free of a demonic possession is to go through something called an exorcism. Um, an exorcism is uh, a way for a religious... What would you call it? It's not, not like a... It's, not, it's, like, it's... it's a religious procedure <clears throat> in which priests, uh, vicars, uh, holy people, holy men, men of the church... But they're not high up. This is the thing. It's not like they're some prestigious portion of the church i would imagine you would have to have some sort of training and experience yes no no you have to have training but you do have to have training and, and experience in it but what i'm saying is from the ones that i've researched and the ones that have worked on the most notable cases they haven't exactly been like high standing members of the churches either they've always been things like oh this he was on his way to bishop or whatever but then he started looking into these particular things it's almost as if you know he was a wizard <laughs> it went down a dark path and then they were like okay well here this is what you do now maybe it's like when you join the police force and you have to go out on the beat and you so basically you have to roam the streets and you know if there's any crime on the streets you have to deal with that and it's mm. like all of the experienced policemen have done that and they that's the bit they don't want to do so they give that to all the rookies you know <laughs> yeah sort of like that yeah it's it's very it's very odd but it is what you will find no matter where in the world that you look into possessions, exorcisms are always a thing. Depending on the culture, exorcism might be called something else. Exorcism is what we know it as. But there's always a running theme. Religion is very, very much the only way that you're going to go out of it. And every single religion seems to have their own, how you say, description of what possession actually is. For example, Catholicism seems to think that any form of possession is a link to Satan. It could be an unnamed demon, but the unnamed demon is in some essence Satan, because, you know, they love to throw big bad Lucifer under a bus. Um, then you've got Judaism. Judaism believes that they've only ever had one particular case of demonic entities entering a body, and that was King Saul. Um, but that, as much as that's the only documented demonic case, there have been instances throughout the years where demons have tried to 
invade certain people and they've saved them but there's obviously no proof of that um in the hindu religion demonic possessions i don't know the word for it i do apologize i did read the word i gave up ever hoping of pronouncing it so i just didn't even bother essentially with the hindu religion they believe that it is it is actually demons from their own religion ones that aren't um that were because essentially with the hindu religion there's a whole thing about gods are also can also be demons depending on their mood and that kind of thing and these are ones that have completely fallen from grace who have absolutely no you know love yeah, for the world like or whatever a, like they're a they're just an angel sort yeah of sort yeah. of thing um and that's what causes demonic possessions but you'll notice the theme there it's all very religion based um and that's the only way to fix it to be possessed you it has to be diagnosed by a religious uh, person basically yes. there's no there's no case there's no cases where you know you go to the hospital and you're like doc i'm not feeling myself and he's like yeah you got the possession ah <laughs> but you've you've hit the nail on the head there there's no cases where you go to the doctor and go oh yeah you've got the possession which by the way is hysterical if you think about it ah he's come down with a case of demon but <laughs> take some holy water three times a day call me in the moment <laughs> but no but you have hit the nail on the head see here is the thing Demonic possessions make for a good story. They especially make for things like good horror films. But there is no proof that demonic possessions are actually a thing. There is proof that people claim that they've been a victim of it. Mm -hmm. And there is proof of exorcisms happening. And if you want to be disturbed, by all means, look into the exorcisms like myself and Nick have done for this episode. What I will say is, as there's no actual proof of the legitimacy of a demon possessing them. What you will find that is it's widely believed by non-religious groups, in other words, science, <laughs> that most, like, and, and here's the thing, there is scientific study of this, and there a lot of health organizations have looked into past cases of demonic possession. And they've all come to the same conclusion that it was basically an archaic way of describing mental illness in the past. Yeah. That is what it was. Yeah. And it was... Rather than it being an issue with your mind and, you know, it'd be things like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, that sort of thing. Rather than it being an issue of the mind, the people of the church decided it was an issue with the soul. And what's the one thing that always goes after the soul in religious writings? Demons! Satan! All that! So rather than, you know, fix them, no, we'll just strap them to a bed and start pouring water over them, because that'll fix them. Um, it's essentially religious torture. If you look into what it's, it's people in power and religion who think they're doing something good when in actual fact they're actually torturing someone. It's horrible. It really is a horrible practice. It's interesting to look at the the amount of cases where there's needed to be an exorcism, and then the amount of cases of those that have completely resulted in someone like returning to normal and being absolutely fine. A lot of films and TV shows have actually used some of these stories as the basis for those those movies yeah I, I always think that that's something that doesn't get mentioned um a lot to be honest that you are right that I, there is a lot of films based on exorcism i mean obviously one of the most famous horror movies in the entire world the exorcist was heavily based on a real exorcism yeah and yeah. and i'm thinking that and it's not just that the... there are there are others as well that are heavily based on yeah exactly stories. i mean like I'll, I'll say for example i'm not going to spoil the case uh that i've got to talk about but i will say that the the case that i'm going to talk about um heavily inspired that film the exorcism of emily rose 
Um, There was another film uh, called Requiem, which was heavily inspired by this particular case as well. Um, I won't say the name of the last film because it basically takes the woman's name from the real story and and uses her name, and I feel that that's a spoiler. Um, But that's three films based on this one case alone. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And you think, well, surely, if it's if it's interesting enough to to make three films about, wouldn't you be more interested in the original case itself rather than just the the Hollywood portrayal of it? I yeah, but you know the Hollywood portrayal, you know, is going to have the great CGI. Whereas uh, reading a book that. about it, ah, uh, <laughs> mate, half of these half of these films were four point eight and IMDb. It, it, <laughs> it hasn't hit the five threshold. Here's here's a little tip I'll give any horror fans. Now, I am an obsessive horror movie fan, which Nick is fully aware of, and everybody that I'm friends with is fully aware of. So just me. I hate you so much. <laughs> but there is there is a golden rule when it comes to watching horror films, because there are so many bad ones out there. If it is above a five on IMDb, that generally means it's decent enough to watch. Because horror fans are the worst critics ever. They really are. They will critique everything. So if it manages to pass that test where it hits a f- above a five, it's good. Anything below that, don't waste your time. It's garbage. Absolute <laughs> garbage. That is my golden rule, and I will give that to you going forward. Now go forth and enjoy. Thank you. I will uh, I'll definitely use that rule. I wasn't talking to you, Nick. <laughs> you, you don't get to use that rule. You watch anything that I tell you to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all three and below. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, thank you, Joe. You've done actually a really good job of um, explaining exorcisms and possessions in general um, and a little bit around the history of it. So obviously, you know, we probably should preface that, um, you know, we, we aren't dur- during these stories. We aren't at talking about, you know, how much the Christian sect is to blame or anything like that. Nope. People believe what they believe. People yes. follow what they believe. Um, we all do that with something. So yes, you know, you're it's, absolutely it's... right. I have absolutely. Uh, I've said. I've said this. I don't believe I've said this in the the uh, in podcast, but I have said this to people I've had discussions with. I have absolutely no issue with anyone who has faith in anything, whether it be a god or whether it be sacred texts. Anything. I have no issue with it. You believe whatever you wish to believe. That is your god given right. My issue is the way certain things are run where like for example religious organizations it's not the 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 overall meaning that i have an issue with or what they believe it's when they start taking the rights of people away under a guise of something that a man or a person has wrote but claimed it to be the word of a god so please don't ever think that i'm ignorant towards people's religions if anything i'm actually quite i'm quite tolerant towards people's religions ignorant for everything Uh, else yeah, I'm just intolerant to everything else. Yes, you're absolutely right. I'm getting uh, my digs in today, aren't I? You really are. You've the made up. Like, I'm beginning to, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm starting to think that the demon was nicer than you. <laughs> I, you, you, were, you, were, you were possessed for last week, but I had a very lovely intro last week from Demon Nick. Well, he that, said that explains thing. it. He said a very nice thing. So now, whilst you're telling your story, I'm going to look up the spell to bring him back. Cause, okay. Because you are a bit... Of a twatted, to be honest. <laughs> I will also say, I will also say before you go into your story, I do feel that there there should be a slight little uh, heads up, if you will. I don't know about Nick's story, as you know how we do this. He tells a story, I don't know about it, and we do vice versa. But from a lot of the research we did into these things, a lot of these 
possession cases do not end well for the person. Um, it, it's 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 dark stuff. Now, you, you at this point, you've listened to 20 episodes. I believe that he's known Nick and myself rather well. Um, we will take the piss out of literally everything. And I will say that this will probably be no exception, but we will try our best to not be uh, disrespectful. Yeah. If you will. I mean, the way, the way I sort of am looking at this is this happened. We're telling, we're telling people about it. We're reporting on a story. We're going to make some jokes. We're going to try and make it entertaining as we do. Mm-hmm. But us, us just talking to you in a somber tone isn't going to mean it never happened. So, mm. and also, who the hell listens to this show for me and him to be serious? Let's 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 no, put it down true. there. No one yeah. listens to us for serious things. I'm not Bill Nye, the science guy. <laughs> With you, no. Please <laughs> go forth and tell your story, good man. Okay, so my story today is the possession of Michael Taylor. The title does not do it justice. Um, I mean, I'm going to say it was kind of a boring title. In the small town of Osset, West Yorkshire, England. Michael Taylor lived with his wife, their kids, and his dog. Michael was described by neighbours as being a gentle and loving man who could often be heard playing with his children, laughing and giggling. (laughs) (laughs) Is that your Michael Jackson impression? (laughs) (laughs) You said said dog before, so I woofed and it wasn't acknowledged. So I thought, right, okay, I need a new sound effect. (laughs) Oh, dear. Um... So in April 1974, Michael was doing some repair work at home, and unfortunately, he suffered a fall. And okay. this fall left him with chronic back pain, mm-hmm. and it actually forced him to uh, retire from his profession. Oh, that's a hell of a fall, then. Yeah, it, it's I I I feel like he was you know doing some home electric work, and he was on on the rafters, and he just fell through the the roof, you know, fell through the. Uh, Tell me this: Did he hit his head? It's not mentioned whether he hit his head. But okay. The suggestion is that he he suffered with back pain, so he probably fell on his back, which probably you know spine. Yeah, and and if if you fall on your back from a height, you you're probably going to hit your head as well. The back. Yes, yeah, suppose that is true. Yeah, um, yeah. So I I wouldn't be surprised. Um, it's important to mention here that it doesn't say what his profession was, and I I researched and I tried to find stuff on it but there is no mention um of what his original profession is so it forced him to resign from his profession and he struggled to find work after that this inability to find work uh, combined with the pain that he's feeling michael started suffering with depression fortunately though in june of that year he did manage to secure a job as a butcher okay which was a you know a low paying job unfortunately but he was very happy to have people reported. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, the man man loses his career because of a fall, and then eventually finds a job where he's bringing in some money. I mean, yeah, of course. And who doesn't like cutting up pigs, right? Uh, exactly. But I, 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 I mean, what better? <laughs> he was way? a vegetarian. Well, well, oh no! I, what I was going to point out there is obviously he started suffering from depression. So there's your first mental health barrier right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So you, you, this is. You've already set up what I see as a as a common theme when it comes to these. And obviously, you know, he said he was happy to have this job. Um, and again, it'd be nice to know what his job was because if he was like, I don't know, an investment banker, and then he's going to a butcher, 
you can kind of see oh, yeah, why that yeah, might I, be a problem. I didn't, yeah, okay, I didn't think of that thing. But, but was he? Well, he was Mr. Burns prior, but now he's a butcher. Um, <laughs> he was yeah, 100 okay. years old. <laughs> I see I see your, 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 your cause now. Yeah, <laughs> so that's why I think it's quite important to, to have that. Um, so he was happy to have this job, low-paying wage. However, over time, and it's not it's not really specified how long a time, but we've got to be talking like a couple of weeks, couple of months here. Um, he started to express his displeasure about his new job and his low salary, uh, and he became cold towards his co-workers and his friends. Mm. He also started to have mood swings, um, often becoming angry at really minor things. So you can start to see, and where you questioned, obviously, about did he have a head injury? Yeah. This is sort of, I think, you know, uh, goes hand in hand with those kind of uh, head traumas that then take it a does. while to develop. It's, it's, a, it's a, a mood syndrome, which is essentially what depression is. Anyway, and yeah. I, I would like to just state for the record, like, I mean, people hear the word depression. Depression is used a lot willy-nilly to describe a lot of things nowadays. Mm. Um, essentially, if people are going through a bit of a rough patch, yeah, they will sure. reference it as depression when in actual which is, fact you which just, is still true. You're just, it's but still true. Well, it's still true. But what I'm what I'm saying is actual depression when it's diagnosed, it's not something that just goes away. No, you're like absolutely. you could be in you could be depressed, and you could be in a in a down moment, as we've said. Um, and then okay, something good might happen to you, such as he got a job there. Now, mm. if you're not actually depressed and it is just you being in the down moment because things aren't going your way you get the job and yeah you start things look up because you know things are starting to get brighter but yeah. with actual depression that's not how it works yeah you'll get a boost from the job for example and things are starting to look up but you're still in that constant battle with your own head yeah and that's a that's a very good point it doesn't just mean that you're suddenly all fixed yeah and and it's it's not something that can be fixed overnight and yeah. If a lot of people fall into this as well, where they think that, oh, things are going fine now. I don't need to do this or do that or anything. The depression's been defeated. When in actual fact, it's not. And if it's unchecked, like as it's clearly gone here, where he thought his life was back on track, it's, yeah. he's not done anything about it. And it's manifesting and it's getting worse. And it's like a, it's like a cancer in the brain. No, that's absolutely true. And this is as well, you've got to remember, this is mm. 1974. Before exactly. we knew really anything, what we know today, before we knew much about concussions, before mm -hmm. we knew much about depression. Yeah. So even if, even if he knew that he wasn't feeling good, he probably wouldn't have known that he was depressed and he probably wouldn't have known that he mm. potentially has, you know, these the concussion or some other debilitating injury that he needs to probably exactly. get, get checked. And at this point, as you said, he's he's now starting to turn on his friends, and he's being more moody and aggravating yeah. towards them. Well, at that point, he's he's gone past the line. At that point, because he's he's now left it to the point where his his mood is being permanently altered, without without it being in check. You see, so it's horrible. Yeah, it is. It's funny because it reminds me of. Have you ever heard about the stories of people who have like horrific accents? And I'll give you an example of like um, a guy driving his car. Um, on a sort of scenic route has a massive crash and crashes into like a signpost and the signpost ends up going like right through his brain or something like mm -hmm. right through his head but it sounds awful and i'm sorry for bringing that up but mm -hmm. 
uh, it turns out like they op- the, you know he gets operated on and actually he survives and the the stories sort of go that oh and he was fine you know he he had a pole he had like a I don't know like an inch inch uh, thick pole through his head through his brain they got it out but he was fine. Have you heard yeah. those kind of stories? I I have heard those kind of stories. It's sort of like you start questioning how can he be fine? Like you've just been spearhawked by a bloody roadside and you're acting as if nothing happened and and the the, the tale is always there and you know and he was fine and he, he managed to work you know and and have a career and whatever um mm. but often but actually if you do some more research into some, a lot of those stories they, there's often um people news reporters and that talking with his relatives or or his friends and they all say no he wasn't fine he turned into a moody bastard yeah. <laughs> and it and it reminds me of of that that kind of scenario and obviously you know if you've had something that traumatic happen you've had something deform your brain or or damage your brain in any way you probably are going to be you know a bit colder a bit less receptive to things yes. so it's just it kind of reminds me of those kind of stories so his wife christine started to become increasingly worried about michael's behavior and his mental health mm-hmm. um but rather than sort of going to a doctor as you know probably should mm. she sought help from her neighbors uh very close with her neighbors a very tight-knit community osset so she different went time. absolutely different, different time. time exactly that's true that's, that's true so she went to her neighbors and explained what was going on with michael and one of the neighbors actually suggested that he go to a local religious group called <laughs> called the christian fellowship I would have preferred the Fellowship of the Ring. The ring. There yeah, you go. So I'm of, I was like, you shall be the Fellowship of the Christians. <laughs> Just a, a, a little demon looking up, going, "No." <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I mean, I just thought the Christian Fellowship was quite a dramatic name, you know. For it, really for is. A, it genuinely is. For considering <laughs> where where was where did this take place again? West- in, in- <laughs> In England, a little village called Osset in West Yorkshire. <laughs> that is a hell of a dramatic name coming from West Yorkshire. <laughs> oh so Osset was a, a very devout town as well, with yes. most of its population at this time attending, attending church on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the 12th of September, Michael agreed to attend one of these meetings. And this is where he met the group's 21-year-old female faith leader, Marie Robinson. Okay. Now this may have something to do with what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm beginning to see the pattern here, yeah. <laughs> so, Marie claimed to have the power to exercise demons. Oh, and this... right. Let's stop it here right <laughs> now. Marie, no you don't. I know you're probably long gone, but it's people like oh, do you know what continue your story. I'm getting I'm getting The interesting thing about that is Marie was not the one to perform an exorcism in this story. So, whether she believed she could or not, <laughs> Luckily, they didn't give a twenty-one-year-old person the the task of doing an exorcism. So now, that's, I, that's I am the grandmaster. I can expel demons by blinking, but don't worry, Jerry will look after you. I'm much too. <laughs> I'm still I'm still training. I'm still I've doing done. my my license. It's like, it's like I got some points. I got to deal with a test. Jerry's the backup. He'll be fine. <laughs> so. <laughs> she claimed to have the power to exercise demons, and this group regularly met, and they practiced speaking in tongues and had long meetings where they would pray into the night. Now, we didn't do an episode on cults, but 
this is starting to sound a little bit like a cult. Yeah, this does this does have the 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 idea of like dressing up in robes and going out into the woods making a chant kind of thing. It does sound very this so far what you've told me about this doesn't sound very Christian at all. Uh, so as Marie and Michael's relationship developed, so too did his infatuation with her. Um, God. Michael started to spend a great amount of time with Marie, supposedly praying into the night. I'm sure that's all he was doing. As as is likely to happen, people did start to get suspicious. People in the group, neighbours, uh, because obviously they all went to church on Sunday, so they all knew they could all see what was going on. Uh, people started to get suspicious that there was foul play involved. And fair enough. Uh, Michael, by the way, I should point out, was I, be- I believe about 35 at the time. So, you know. Just but, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's weird. Man's down bad. Man is. <laughs> <laughs> so there were even reports that after dinner, Michael would sometimes set out to go to the congregation. Um, even though on nights where they weren't scheduled to meet. Oh, God. Yes. Okay. We know, we know what's happening here, for yeah. God's sake. He's it's going just... to play Warhammer. <laughs> you only play Warhammer with your spouse after dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Them's the rules. Oh. This is just this is just it's too too smutty for me that story. It really it, yeah. Sorry, everyone, it gets a little blue. No, <laughs> <laughs> it gets a little blue. <laughs> uh, so at home, Michael's attitude just continued to worsen towards his wife and children. With now his mood swings actually turning violent to his wife, um, and it was only when he was around Marie that he seemed to regain some composure and a bit of normality. Seems a lot like manipulation as well on the part of mm. Marie because, like, true, she true. she must be like aware of because they would have gone to to her and explained the symptoms and and everything else. So she's aware of his mood swings, knowing that he's not like that with her. She'll use that to bolster her own image within the community, but also to get into his head. It's the God complex, to be honest, because he doesn't certainly get a lot of money to con out of. So I can't no. see monetary gain being the reason. Um, again, she's 21 year old and apparently can, you know, demolish demons with her thoughts. So I don't really think she has to do all that much to try and pull a husband. I just think that this is a power play. She, this man's obsessed with her. She knows this and she's playing off it. Yeah, she's, she's 21 years old. Let's just get this out of the way. She's 21 years old. At 21 years old, I probably couldn't like look after myself, like keep myself alive. I tried. I failed. <laughs> I died seven times. I, so, <laughs> I had to keep so, putting coins in the machine. Um, so many voodoo rituals. So many. <laughs> but she's she's twenty one years old. She isn't gonna have the greatest life experience. Now I'm not trying to be rude to young people, but that's probably the truth. You know, at twenty one years old, you probably don't have a lot of life experience. So basically someone comes to you and says i need your help like i need need your experience and i need you to guide me i've got these problems and i want i want you to help me at 21 you're probably gonna sit up and be like holy shit like i'm really important and i need to like probably she probably saw it as some sort of a challenge of you know i have to fix this guy i have to I have to overcome this and like you said prove my worth and make myself look great really yeah 
it is, it's the god complex thing. That is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Like she, she got a little bit of like, I don't know, of her reputation and went to her head and now all of a sudden she's the demon slayer. Do you know what I mean? It's Yeah, it's, uh... exactly. I mean, and you've you you know, I guess I guess she must have done something right at twenty one to get to the position of faith. I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna lie, it's a hell of a position to have as a twenty one year old. I, I don't I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, who what what are the what are the criteria to be a faith leader? I I don't know. I'm, I'm yeah. faith leader. I'm talking like demon slayer. Like if I had the chance to <laughs> like put that Buffy on, the vampire slayer. Yeah, like if I had the chance to put that on my CV and actually mean it, yeah, damn right I would. I'd be like, well, yeah, I've uh, done a bit of customer service, a little bit of sales, you know, the usual stuff. Oh, and by the way, I killed Nosferatu. <laughs> 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 oh, poor Nosferatu. So misunderstood. <laughs> he was just trying to sell he was, cheese. He was buying a tomato juice and I just killed. <laughs> so, on the 1st of October, 1974, Christine, so his wife, actually yeah. managed to convince Michael to let her attend one of these group meetings with him. Now, oh, okay. that's an, that's very, you know, very Balls good of her to, to convince him. Ballsy Very ballsy move. move. And it would come back to bite Michael in the ass because in this meeting, Christi- uh, Christine accused Michael of having an affair in front of everybody. So in front of all of the, the group meetings. Oh, she had an EastEnders moment. That's she amazing. had it, yeah. Literally, <laughs> yeah. And Michael's response to this is fantastic. What do you think he did? I tell you what, did he just go up and cre- like kiss, what's her name? Marie. Close. Oh, okay. He actually started attacking Marie physically. Jesus. Wait, Marie? Isn't the woman he's infatuated with? Yeah. So when I read that first, I literally, I read that and I just glossed over it and I thought they meant Christine, his wife. Hmm. And I just, I just thought that's how the story went. It wasn't until I read it a second time that I realized, hang on a minute, he's attacking Marie, the person he's supposed to be having an affair with. That is weird. Yeah, that. Oh, okay. Well, I could never would have guessed that one in a million years. Attacking his wife. Yeah, okay. That, yeah, yeah. I, did, I didn't want to make that guess because I didn't want that to be true. But that's the no. one I naturally would have guessed. Um, shit. Yeah. So he started to attack Marie. And luckily, several of the group's members were able to subdue him before he did any real damage. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had to hold him there for over an hour. It took over an hour until he began to relax and calm down enough that they could actually let him go. Now, mm. he returned home with his wife, seemingly. Wait, so they let him go home? They let him go home, No, yeah. No police intervention? or I mean, he's just attacked a woman. Like I, said, like I said, during this story, okay, you will notice enough. a lot of people make the wrong decision. Ultimately. Yeah, okay, right, and fair enough. It isn't, yeah. it isn't just one person. It's like the whole... No, there's a whole... Tones worth of it's people. gone mad, yeah. Yeah. So they let him go home. I mean, you're right. What you know, they could have called the police and Marie could have pressed charges, had him arrested, whatever. And I kind of wish he would, because then it may have stopped what eventually happened. But um but they don't. They just let him go home. And even worse, even though Marie was really quite shook up by the incident, mm-hmm. she agreed to let Michael return to the group. Okay, brave, stupid. Very, I don't know yeah. which one. Ev- all of those things. Yeah. She did, however, ask people in the group to monitor Michael very closely. Okay, smart. She is aware that there's something not right here. And well, yeah, a couple of blows to the face would maybe make you aware of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, Michael 
his attitude continues to get worse. He continues to abuse his family. And one night it gets so bad that the neighbours can actually hear him smashing things and shouting and screaming. So they go for help. And obviously they don't call the police. They go to the vicar. Of course they do. Because, you know, the vicar can solve all your problems. You know, if this. It's just always such a good idea. Go to the vicar, you know, not like the legal authorities, but you well, know, the what vicar a, is above what, the what, law, right? Like, what do I know? I'm only a normal human being. <laughs> so the vicar sat down with Michael. So he said he would ask the Anglican Church of England if he could perform an exorcism. Uh-huh. The church agreed. However, instead of the vicar doing the exorcism, they sent the tag team of Father Peter Vincent and Minister Raymond Smith. <laughs> the reigning tag team champions of the <laughs> Minister Brothers! <laughs> and they did a one-two punch combo on Michael. They sat him down, interviewed him, and yep, indeed him they, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> they, they agreed that, yep, this guy should have an exorcism. So, on the 5th of September, at 10 p.m., they started the exorcism at the local church. So right away, Michael became violent, started shouting in tongues and having convulsions. He was also spitting and biting at the priests. So really not having a good time. No, he's, he's certainly having a bit of a day. Um, <laughs> yeah. Can, can I ask a question? Right. Because I'm not sure if you know the answer to this, because I, I certainly don't. You, you often hear this when it comes to possession cases, but not just possession cases, but religious people seem to love this. Speaking in tongues. Explain. I have done some research on speaking in tongues because I was really interested in finding out is it that it's like a language where there is literally, you know, this word means this and that word means that. And when you hear people speaking in tongues, are they saying the same words? Yeah. Because, you know, like, I don't know, you'd say bonjour in French. Everybody would say bonjour. Whereas every all the video evidence I found and all the documentation that I found where people were speaking in tongues, and it's all completely different. So I was even watching a YouTube video on how to speak in tongues, and the guy was just saying, like, just sort of go with the flow and just speak what comes to mind. And that's fine if that's what they're saying speaking in tongues is, you know, you just sort of reach back into your brain and these things come out and everyone's going to come out with different things. No, in other words, it is basically bollocks then. So yeah, there's no, there's no consistency, which is what I was looking for. Cause I wondered, I've always heard about speaking in tongues. Yeah. And I was like, some people claim to have done it, blah, 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 especially in these stories, but no one's like cataloged it, I guess. You know, to the point where it's like, is any of this, you know, are they saying words in like ancient Latin? Yeah, that's what I would have assumed. It was like, I thought it was meant to be something like, oh, they're speaking ancient Latin, but doing it backwards. Oh my God, tongues. Yeah, but- and I'm sure some people when they speak in tongues have learned ancient Latin so that they can do that. But yeah, I I, I do unfortunately think it, it's a bunch of crap. Domino Padre Spirito Santo, Domino's Pizza. Which I'm still, <laughs> cons- I'm still concerned that that's, that's not actually words. You, you can tell me it's Latin, but it's not. It's just 
Italian sounding noise. <laughs> That's all. <that> <laughs> so back to Michael. So he was um, he was having these convulsions, spitting, speaking in tongues, going crazy. So <laughs> they did what all good exorcists do, and they tied him to the floor. <laughs> of course, of course, because you can't have an exorcism without it. Um, I'd like to know how they tie people to the floor because the floor is the floor is quite hard to tie something to. <laughs> Have you ever oh, tried? Do you know what that is? A that is a good point. <laughs> I'm guessing in the church they must have had like pillars and shit that they could I don't know time around. I don't know um, unless they had like those shackles like already there, which would raise the question, why would they have shackles already there? <laughs> you know what I mean? It sounds a bit like S&M dungeon torture shit, you know? Yeah, just a bit, but so that, add a, that add a ghost me. story on top of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so they tied him to the floor so that the exorcism could obviously continue. The priests concluded that at least 40 demons were possessing Michael. Now that's a lot of demons. Where, where did they come up with this number? It's just like they did the mass. They carried right. the one. They did the mass. They did the monster mass. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They did the demon mass. <laughs> um, and it took them over eight hours to exercise each demon until. And it took until the following morning, when they were obviously very tired. Michael was. Oh well, God love them. They've had a bad night. It's been busy. You know, they've had to speak Latin and yell at a poor guy that's Do you think tied the priests the get overtime? They bloody better do. I, <laughs> I campaign for that. Do you know what? If them priests don't have a union, they should do. Just... <laughs> a union of one, his name is God. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best response to that I could have ever hoped for. <laughs> uh, so they're at it for over eight hours, absolutely knackered. Um, and Although Michael seemed much better, the yeah. priests informed him that he still had three demons remaining inside him. Oh my god, this is like selling a, a package thing, like an antivirus software. <laughs> so we've removed, <laughs> we've we've removed most of the viruses, sir. <laughs> but now you have to spend the extra fifty so that we can continue to support you through the next six months. If you don't spend the extra fifty, those three will turn back into forty demons, <laughs> and we'll have to do the whole procedure again. <laughs> oh, this is what this is starting to sound like. This is so bad. you're absolutely right because it's. I guess it is a way of being like. Well, the church has done this great thing for you, and we've basically cured you. But still, come back to the church because otherwise, you know what yeah. I mean. Like yeah. it's definitely, it's definitely, you know, keeping him, keeping him on a on a chain, isn't it? So then they made possible, well, actually, the worst decision that they could or anyone could have made. What do you What's think they did? Worse than every decision that they've made up until now. They decided to allow Michael to go home to his oh, family. God's sake. Uh, he murdered the family, didn't he? And this really this really is bad because if let's just for a minute assume that all of this is correct and he did have demons and he had to be exercised and blah 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 blah. If mm. they knew from a from like a liability point, if they knew that he still had these demons inside him, really as professionals they should yeah. not have let him go, should they? Because that, it's not like, you know, it's, it, it, if, if you just sort of go with it, the mindset that this is all absolutely 100% correct. Because like, the police, the priests, I assume, believed 
that was the case. That you know, like, it wasn't like they were just like, oh yeah, it was here, fine, here's you know? here's my take on that, right? So you've got a religion where its whole thing is based on you know the gods and the angel, the gods, sorry, and the angels in the sky, and mm. that you have to be a good person or else you live the rest of eternity being poked in the arse by these little demon bastards in hell right yeah. now in this instance we where there is no proof of angels above nor is there proof of angels below but you've now contracted some of your own members to expel some demons that are in a person here if you genuinely believe this here is your proof in this person yeah right you yeah. have said there is your proof you are making a big deal out of this d d no take him to the holy city Hold him in the holy prison cells. Make a show of <laughs> the holy prison cells. <laughs> you know, make a make a show. Of oh, I want to visit those. Of all the things that you're doing, don't just go. And here is your crappy insurance policy. Off to your your home. I tell you what, the business strategy behind the holy church. Uh, just Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. That's quite ironic. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so that afternoon, around twelve p.m. Police Constable Ian Walker was alerted to a report of a man causing a disturbance in the town near the Taylor residence. Mm -hmm. A neighbour had reported seeing a man running naked, covered in red paint and screaming uh, <laughs> round the, around the neighbourhood. Okay. So when Constable Walker arrived on the property, he found a man crouched in the fetal position, giggling to himself. Oh, they're always giggling. Oh, that makes it's it creepy. It's always a joke to these guys. It's it's the giggle that makes it creepy, man. It's like yeah. being in the fetal position, rocking back and forth. That on its own is creepy. But when you start adding like aud auditory noises like that, and it just... Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> so it was at that point that Walker noticed that the reported red paint was indeed blood. Blood. Yeah, I think we all saw that coming. He calls back up before entering the house because obviously at this point, obviously, I'm guessing Michael was like outside still. Yeah. So before entering the house, he calls for backup, and when they arrive, they go into the Taylor residence. And this is the part where, if you, you know, I'm not going to describe it in huge detail, but if you don't like gory stuff, maybe give the next minute a skip. They found okay. the body of Christine Taylor lying dead in a pool of her own blood. She had been strangled and her face had been horribly mutilated with her eyes ripped out with claw marks all over her face. They also found the remains of the family dog, which had been killed in a similar manner. Oh, God. So he, he proper lost it then. He went full rage mode, essentially. Completely. Uh, um, like, there's, there's no... There's no, there's like no rhyme or reasoning. Like there's nothing calculated about what he's doing. Like if someone was using a knife or something like that, this he had his fists and he just went primal. Yeah, that's essentially what he's done from the description there. And that is that is your brain snapping under exactly. the pressure, and that's what's happened. That's horrible, horrible. Yeah, and I think you know, yeah, you, you know, if he really didn't like his wife and wanted to have this affair, you can understand killing the wife, but the dog. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> I did the dog. That's hard. I mean, I mean, the wife's hard. Don't Wait, get me wrong. I was, I was, I was genuinely but shaking my head at you for a microphone. You know, the Neither dog the didn't wife. do. The dog didn't do anything. You didn't do enough, dog. You didn't the know. Dog told me to kill. <laughs> the saving grace here, if there is one, is that the children weren't there. So oh, we thank yeah. Christ! I'm sitting here on the tent of hooks, waiting for you to get to that point, just to like. 
But okay, so that's good. The children survived then. So they, when they spoke to Michael, he seemed to remember nothing about the incident, but he did agree that clearly the blood that he was covered in was uh, was his wife's, mm-hmm. and he made no challenge when they arrested. Yeah, that's. I think he probably knew enough to put the yeah. pieces of the puzzle together to yeah. to to go with it. Uh, no, that's fair enough. Um, I so, kind of, I it's in an odd way, I kind of respect him for that. Like, like I don't respect for what he did, obviously, and I don't respect him as a human after what he's done here, because like you know, mental illness aside, there's never an excuse. But yeah. at the very least, he didn't like, oh, it wasn't me. Oh, you have no proof, none of that. You know, he just, yeah, yeah. yeah this is I've done this. I think, and looking forward, obviously, I think if he had have done any of that, he wouldn't necessarily have got convicted for. Um, you know, insanity. Yeah, yeah. And I think that I it's hard. It's hard, isn't it? Because I kind of want to say that it's almost like he's calculated his every move up until this point. He attacks people, mm. but when there's an audience, he either well, he basically just goes into this insane mode. Whether that be yeah. like lashing out at people, speaking in tongues, he's almost done like everything right to be called insane, rather than rather than just to be like. I wanted to have an affair, and I didn't like my life. Yeah, I, I actually, uh, you know yeah, what I mean. Okay, fair enough. I, when you actually, when you paint it that way, when you paint it that way, you, that's a very good point. Actually, that's possibly me thinking about it in too much detail, though. No, you know no, I mean? no. I, I don't think that you are. To be honest, I think that you. That's quite an analytical way of putting it, and it sort of put me that's into a gray zone. Uh, yeah, you are very anal. <laughs> um, but it has just it sort of put me into a gray zone with him now because obviously, yeah. What he's done is horrible, but it's now even more horrible at the very concept that all of this was calculated. But re- regardless of that, the things that he's done here, mm. I think, like you said, it, it, I can't comprehend anyone who's got no. a modicum of sanity doing something like that. So maybe, you know, maybe it's yeah. just completely insane. Because it's brutal. It was absolutely brutal. What he's yeah. Done. And you would think, like, <laughs> try and, you know, I'm going to try and nick CSI it here. Never. Never, never make that joke again. Never. <laughs> so like, that was, that was it wasn't a joke. I, I got my kit and everything. <laughs> like yeah. me just pouring little test tubes. <laughs> if he did have any sort of sanity, you, you'd think that some, if you were going to murder someone, you would, especially around your own house, you'd probably just like grab something heavy and hard and like beat them up with it. But he didn't even choose to do that. You know what I mean? This is, yeah. like you said, it's kind of primal rage going on. So... I think that that really does indicate that there was probably something wrong with him, you know, at the very least. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're certainly right. You are certainly right there. So Michael was sent to have his sanity evaluated at a hospital for the criminally insane. In mm. March 1975, the jury reached a verdict of not guilty due to reason of insanity. And Michael was instead of being sentenced to jail, was in sent- was sentenced to two years of medical observation at Broadmoor Hospital. The blame was largely put on the Church of England, and I think rightly so, um, and also onto Marie Robinson, and again I think rightly so, and and the Church Fellowship Group as well, um, with the media and the jury believing that they had convinced Michael that he was being possessed and that they were trying to control him. So just like you said, Mm. Um, they believed that Michael had killed his wife in a fit of rage after being held against his will during an eight hour exorcism. 
So they thought that this was like, you know, the pent up rage. And bear in mind, it was only a few hours after they uh, finished the exorcism that this happened. This is all, it's showing, like, it's all signs of a mental psychosis breakdown, essentially. uh, That's what it's showing signs of. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jesus. And instead of instead of sending him to get the help from like we said doctors and stuff, they send yeah. him to the church. There, there are so just... there are so many things. You are absolutely right here. There are so many things that could have been done in the weeks, months, whatever it was of this build up hmm. that could have been done to prevent this in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, and nothing. All the wrong things were done instead. Yeah, and it like we said at the beginning, it's kind of easy for us to say that now because we know about head trauma and. Um, and uh, mental health whereas back in you know the 70s that wasn't so common i know but even it's even the thing about if you're if you're if someone who believes in demons if you're someone who believes that demons can infest someone and your job is to remove them from someone if you have then turned around and openly said oh i couldn't get them all yeah right you'd maybe then not send them back to his wife and kids you know, it, it, it's it's like it's sheer stupidity. This isn't even a case of we didn't know things as much as we do now. It's just illogical morons being morons. You've got the 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 church. You've got the vicars and the reverends. Everyone involved in that is completely, I think, to... they're all bellends. Every one of them is a bellend <laughs> in this story. Like absolute, what nuke the whole place. <laughs> just that's that is my official diagnosis on that nuke the whole place get rid of it we don't even need that place's history oh. just nuke it i'm just gonna uh just finish off here so with a nuke well maybe we'll see we'll see how we do for time <laughs> um I'll, I'll arm the codes now <laughs> so like i said um at the beginning this was the case that led the Church of England to say that they would never perform another exorcism again. So that's good. <laughs> Only the, the church could try and spin this into good PR. Do you know what I mean? That's all I'm thinking about that. It's so horrible. <laughs> um, as for Michael, though, in 1979, after four years of medical treatment, he was released back to society and was actually released back to Osset. He was never able to like reconnect with his uh, kids again, good. which is which is good. Um, and in two thousand and five, he was found guilty of indecently touching a teenage girl oh, and f- was was sentenced to further medical treatment. Is he still alive and kicking? So I tried to find out what happened to him after that, and I cannot find any information on what happened to him after two thousand and five. I hope. He got more medical treatment. Yeah, I hope he's getting the medication and help that he clearly needs. And as much as, like, you know, yes, if someone can be cured and helped, they should be released back. I kind of feel like maybe he shouldn't be. No, no, I'm, I'm all for, I'm all for fixing people. I really am. But there are certain things that once you do them. You, that's it. You've lost your right, regardless. It's, By all it's means, hard, it's hard with yeah, insanity, though, isn't it? I because know, you, I, know. You know, I know. If we're saying he didn't act on his own, his own. I know, thoughts, I know, I know what you hard, mean. Hard, isn't it? 
I know. It's. I, I think it's. That's coming. That's that's an argument that's not being made logically. That is one that's sure. being based purely on emotion there, um, sure. because what he did was absolutely horrendous. Followed up by the fact that he was then done again for indecently touching a child. And my final little bit of uh, investigation here, as I said at the beginning, what was his profession before? Because if you know we last week we were talking about the mad hatter guy who worked who who made hats but he worked with mercury and it caused yes. him to go a bit mad was this something that his previous profession you know sitting in a similar way caused him to go you know a bit berserk or was a very stressful job or something like that the second point is he became a butcher do you think that like the act... meat or something <laughs> well do you think that act of you know, butchering, cutting up meat, cutting up animals and stuff like that made it easy for him to sort of do these things. That's some unresolved mysteries type justification right there. That's a, what we need now. We need some we need some flashing lights and we need some camera zooms right now onto the corpse of a pig. <laughs> dun 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 dun. <laughs> I'm not saying that that's the reason he did it, but I'm saying that do you think maybe that made it easier for him to do that? There is maybe a possibility of it if he's cutting in. I mean they do say that I like what well, I say they do say I've seen this in film so I'm taking it as fact. But you know that the way that like a, a pig's skin feels and all that when they're cutting up apparently is very, very similar to it, a human. It is because um, uh, it was on Mythbusters. They used to use pig carcasses because it was the closest thing to humans. I, you you saw in Mythbusters a scientific show. I saw Gangs of New York. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the scientific show. Anyways, and, uh, it, it's, it, it basically said the same thing. So maybe it, it could yeah. very well be. Who knows? Who knows? But there it is. Um, we can stop talking about it because <laughs> it is depressing. No, that. Thank you for that one. Um, I think. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that was um a hell of a story. We're gonna move on to my story now. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna preface this one. Uh, the 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 case that I'm talking about is the horrible horrible case of Anna Elizabeth Annalise Michelle, uh, a 16 year old German girl. It is not a nice story. Ew. It's not ideal. And I'm just giving you the warning head, head on. This does not end well. This is, of course, a possession and exorcism story. And like all of them, it does not end well. Mm. Now, if that disturbs you in any way because of the, the age of the subject, by all means, skip the story. I, I honestly do not mind. Can I skip the story? You will sit where you're fucking told. <laughs> you will listen to this thing. But that is essentially what it is. It is about a 16-year-old girl and it does not end well. Um, so that is my warning to you guys now. Uh, the tragedy of youth. <laughs> it's not the youth that did it. Crazy kids and their drugs. No, this is, as I said before, this uh, was the story that led on to the basis of the exorcism of Emily Rose film. There was the film in 2006, I think it was, it was called Requiem, that was based on this case as well. And in 2011, an actual film came out called Annalise, um, which, you know, they just took her name and turned Did it into you the just story. watch the films for your research? Is that, is that what you Do you know what? I watched The Exorcism of Emily Rose when it came out, and I can tell you right now, that is a solid 4.2 on IMDb. It was fucking terrible. <laughs> it was, oh, it was such a crap film. Um, and, you know, the other two aren't all that great either, to be honest. Um, but the, the actual story behind her is a lot more 
it's it's a lot more hard hitting than the the movies ever would make it. So this happened in it was it was around 1976. My dates aren't ideal because of the websites that I was using to look at this. But essentially, Anna Elizabeth Annalise Michelle. I will be referring to her it's a as Anna. Name. Yeah, it would have been. But Anna herself is what I will be referring to her now because, you know, we're, we're done with the European names. Um, she was a German woman, and this is why her case is so famous. Because unlike Nick's one, where, you know, God love them, they went through an eight-hour exorcism. They were so tired. Anna went through 67 Catholic exorcism rites during the year before her death. That's right. Oh. I mean, how did she find time for anything else? She didn't. This took oh. over her life. She was so committed to the exorcism. Um, but no, this was it. She must hold the world record. Longest time exercise. Funnily enough, I don't think the, the Olympians will be mad. <laughs> I don't think there's a gold medal for this one, to be perfectly oh. honest. And, and I will just explain to you right now. She went through 67 Catholic exorcism rites, and um, that did lead up to her death because eventually she did die of malnutrition. I said the word entirely wrong. No, but who so cares? they didn't. They didn't even feed her. Mm-hmm. Like she don't. I mean, that's a, right. That's a terrible. So word, it's right? not a case of they didn't feed her. It was a case of the actual psychosis and mental state that she was in. She wouldn't eat, oh, which I is see. a common thing when it comes to various mental health problems. But mm. of course, she's not in a mental health institute or a health institute at all. She's surrounded by priests. Right, so of course she didn't get not the where you want to be. No, it's not. It is, it is if you've got a demon in your head, but you know, let's face it, as we've already discovered, it doesn't actually happen. But, um, now here's the thing our parents and a priest were convicted of negligent homicide, and as far as I'm concerned, that's the best outcome that we could get for this because, frankly, this just is tantamount to full abuse, full mm. on home abuse our parents are to blame for not i mean i know they were doing the best that they could with the information that they thought that they had but this is why i'll admit that our parents were were to blame you see unlike other cases anna was actually diagnosed with epileptic psychosis so that's an issue with the temporal lobe uh, causing epilepsy right and she's had a history of psychiatric treatment it wasn't overall effective because, you know, mental health, you know, research and everything wasn't ideal. But it, she has a history. But it wasn't ideal. They tried their best. There wasn't these advancements that we have nowadays to treat that sort yeah. of thing. But she was at least in the right hands. Now, I can understand it from the perspective that her parents are reasonably worried that they've taken her to a doctor and she's not seeming to get any better. But they decided to take her away from that because a priest decided that it's not what all the medical professions are telling her. It's a demon in her head. So all the help she was getting just disappeared. So when Anna was 16, she experienced a seizure and was diagnosed with the psychosis. Right. And as I said, it was what led to the the psychosis of the epileptic variety. Um, And shortly thereafter, she was diagnosed with depression as well. So she's now got a double whammy and she was treated by a psychiatrist at a hospital. So, so far, they've done all the right things. But by the time she turned 20. Oh, so so sorry. I I mentioned she was 16 when she died earlier. I do apologize. It was 16 when this all started. She was 20 when she died, but it was still a horrible thing to go through. 
right? She'd become intolerant of various religious objects when she was going through her psychosis. Now, that's not to say that she was exposed to a demon. This is a Sorry, what does what does intolerant of religious she objects couldn't stand mean? being around them? Okay, right. I mean, now, I think I have that. <laughs> yeah, but like here, but the priest would use that as a oh well, she can't stand being next to a crucifix, so she's yeah. she's got a demon in her head. That's not how this works. That this is a common trait where there, there'll be something that offends them for whatever reason. It's just a flick in the head. More often than not. From when the actual psychosis takes over, it could just be the first thing that they see in the room. So yeah, if it was me, for example, and I, I saw, I, I don't know, I saw my broadband router and it's provided by Virgin Media. So you can tell where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> I am now intolerant of Virgin Media broadband routers and can't stand to be around them and smash them. That, 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 that's, it's the same logic. That's all it is. I see it first. I'm, I'm pissed off. We're with never going to get that version sponsor, are we? <laughs> no, and I don't bloody want them. Stay in space, Richard Branson. But that's all it was. So she had taken a dislike to religious objects, such as a crucifix and that kind of thing. And obviously, the church used this as ammo. Now, here's the thing. She began to hear voices. Now, again, that could be any number of mental Did health. Did she answer her cell phone in her pocket? Because I've done that. Before. It was the 70s. Who the hell had a cell phone? We're also British. Why are we saying cell phone? Cell phone. Cell, cell phone, phone, telephone. Yeah, cell phone, telephone, mobile phone. But um, Telegram? As... Nah, it's too late, I think. <laughs> Morse code? Would you stop? No. Stop naming communication devices. <laughs> like, there's, there's no need... Cup and string. <laughs> <laughs> Ball in a cup. No. <laughs> so, right, so anyway, um, our condition had worsened. From her hearing voices, so it was already bad. Her condition had, uh, had worsened even more. Medication wasn't helping, and like a lot of mental health cases, she became suicidal after displaying a whole load of symptoms. The the medication sort of threw her off whack a bit, yeah. and that's how a lot of this mental health medication works because it's all about finding a right balance. You tip it mm -hmm. one way too much, you can get suicidal tendencies. You tip yeah. it one way or the other, you end up basically becoming a zombie. That's that's why the balance is so correct. Obviously, they didn't know that back in the seventies. She took the, she went the other way, and it went suicidal. So they didn't know what to do. Yeah, so, so tough, tough balancing act, like you said. But here's the thing: she went through this balancing for five years, oh. and her symptoms never improved. So this must have been utter. Yeah, hell she's like sixteen when this all kicks off. Exactly, that's a lot so to deal with. That that is a hell of a lot to deal with, and she's such a poor girl. But she she. As much as she was suicidal, she was she was going through it. She was she was fighting and she was doing her best. She genuinely was. Now Anna and her family had became like convinced at one point because her symptoms weren't improving that she was possessed by a demon. And why were they convinced that she was possessed by a demon? Because one week when they were at um, when they were at church, Anna refused to go, and they refused to go because. She refused to go because of this intolerance that she now had to religious objects. It's not religion in general. It was just the mm. objects themselves. So like a crucifix or, you know, like, you know, a rosary, anything like that. And she, she, and just, she was, was she saying then, like, I yeah. don't want to go because yeah. I don't want to go. She basically explained this. She explained this to her psychiatrist. She explained this to her oh. parents, everybody. She, they knew the reasoning. But her dad happened to mention to the priest at their local Catholic church that 
this is why she's not at church this week. Oh, well, the priest had to come up and save the day. You know, he had to explain to her. Oh, well, that's obvious from everything you've just described to me there in five minutes of five years worth of torture for this, this girl. She's clearly possessed by a demon. <laughs> so that's what they, they, uh, he told the, the dad. And the dad believed it because he yeah, was, sure. in fact, that's that word I'm looking for now. A moron. So as a result, her family then appealed through the priest to the Catholic Church for an exorcism. And it was rejected at first. At first, so someone, Chile, tried to do something good here. Someone on the admin team of exorcisms was like, "Nah, that doesn't sound good." But of course, this priest who originally said that she was possessed yeah. pushed for it and pushed and pushed. He, he and outranks when, them. And no, he doesn't outrank them. He did something even more annoying. He then went and got two other priests from the local area, told that them the annoying. story, and then. Three priests then start going to the admin department. <laughs> There's nothing worse. What's worse than one priest? Three of them sending angry letters to the admin department. Right? So they're all, all three of these ones start pushing for. And priests um, can write an angry damn letter. Oh, God damn, they can. <laughs> but what happened was. They, is great. <laughs> they eventually managed to convince the, the administration of the exorcism department. I don't care if that's not a real thing. It is now. Um, to, to perform it. So. They ended up in 1975, the church sent a bishop. So they're bringing out the big guns here. The priests can, like, began conducting exorcism sessions and the, par the parents, as a result, stopped consulting with the doctors. So Anna stopped eating food and eventually, after a year of this, died to malnourishment. But also dehydration because she wouldn't eat, she wouldn't drink. Yeah. So it's, it's a wonder she went for as long as she did because she basically stopped doing both of those things the day the exorcism started. Do you think she just got so fed up? I don't think that that was a, a suicidal thing. I think mm. that was a, like, this was like rebellious in a way. Like, I, yeah. it's sort of like going on a hunger strike because she clearly knows, and she's mental at this point, bear in mind, and she knows that this is sheer stupidity. But our parents are like, oh, Jesus, we'll save you, and all these stupid people. So what happens is she stops eating, she stops drinking, and eventually it does lead to her death. Right? Now, bear in mind, she's now off the tablets. She's completely away from doctors. Now, as much as the tablets might not have been helping her, there is now an, a, a mad chemical imbalance in this woman's brain because she's been on these tablets for five years. Yeah. You can't just cut them, especially if you've been on them for that long. Yeah, sure. You'd have like uh, withdrawal symptoms and things, wouldn't you? It's not. It's not even withdrawal symptoms. Withdrawal is the last thing. It's not a case of you being addicted. That's the. That's like right. being if you're on painkillers. Your brain now is so out of whack. It now can't process what is real and what is not. Ooh. So with each passing day, her brain is spiking, and then it's dipping and spiking and dipping. Think of it like blood pressure, but with nothing to maintain it. That is what is happening. And this is now going on worse and worse every single day for a year. Whilst you're in a room with three priests, a bishop, all yelling at you, and your idiotic parents saying that this is what's going to save you. When you have already explained that you cannot stand religious imagery. Right? There's all the, the you know, this is all wrapped up in a package of going mental. It just goes to show that, you know, if there's any kids listening... Don't listen to your parents. Yeah, I, I agree with that. This is how it starts. And ends. This is what happens. So, the priests began conducting their exorcism sessions, um, and as I said, the parents stopped consulting the doctors. This is what happened to her. But when 
the 67 exorcism sessions were actually done and she eventually passed away. As I said, the parents, two Roman Catholic priests and the bishop were all found guilty of negligent homicide and were sentenced to six months in jail. But I hate this bit, though. It was reduced to three years probation as well as a fine. I hate that. Now, that says to me that they got that because they've essentially, in my mind, what they've done there, all every single one of them there has committed murder, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Like it's locked up, it's torture, it's 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 just it's basically every single worst nightmare you can imagine to your child. But the ch the church did it, and because the church did it, well, we can let them away with a bit of probation. Now, I said before that I can see the parents' point of view. I mm. can. They wanted the best for their kids, but yeah. surely. And I've seen the photos of this, and I don't recommend you look, look up the photos of her because God love her, it's heartbreaking. But I have seen what she, the state that she was in. I've seen the photos. Now, her parents should have taken one look at what the hell was happening to her within the first week of this and yeah. pulled the plug. But no, this stupid attachment that we have to not, not religion. This isn't religion. This isn't faith. This isn't what I'm, I, I have an issue with. It's the people who control it, such as your priests and your bishops here. These morons who have no medical training, but decide that it's the soul that's the problem and not a medical issue. They chose to listen to them because we are built up to believe that they are all-knowing. They are not... They are morons. They're morons, and now, in this case, they're murderers. There's a thing, like, I find with... Um, it's not just about, like, religion and faith and stuff, like you said. If... There's like someone in the room, like let's say like a, a teacher maybe or or a policeman or whatever. People, someone who should command authority in in some capacity. Mm -hmm. People always look towards them to solve the problem, to mm -hmm. you know, to do what's right, to do the right thing. And I think in this case, like you said, the the family members, the the parents, just simply wanted to look to someone with authority, that being the priests. Mm -hmm. To solve the issue, because clearly the medical treatment hadn't worked. Yeah. And I guess from their point of view, they were kind of a, at a loss. They didn't know what else to do. And here's someone offering a solution. They probably just wanted to like, you know, they were just looking for any solution. So they were, they were happy to to let it happen and they they probably thought like i know you say i know you say during during it they should have looked at their child and be like this isn't right yeah but they probably just had that sort of well these guys these guys know what they're doing i'm you sorry know, these guys I, I, the I just i just i just don't accept that at all because yeah you're right they're looking for anything to fix it well quite frankly do you know what my answer to that is they should have looked harder that's that is like when this didn't work within the first week. But they where, should have where do you go? Where do you go from? You go back to the hospital. You go back to the hospital. You do the right thing. You don't believe these morons who have no medical training whatsoever, who are quite clearly killing your daughter. Like that. That's that's why I now put them to blame. They wanted to do the right thing. They didn't do the right thing. They had more than a year in which to do the right thing, and they foolishly didn't. It's all about, I did the right thing. I asked the church. No, you didn't. You did the wrong thing. I mean, I agree that if this didn't work within, like, a let's say, a month, they should have stopped. 
Now, I will say, I will say, I am going to attempt to be a bit more lighthearted with this because I can, I, I, we we know I get passionate about certain things, um, especially when I've done a lot of research on it, and I can, and I, I feel bad for the people. I do tend to get a bit passionate about it, and I can tell that I I will eventually end up saying something worse than these people are morons and murderers. So I am going to, I have noted that, and I am going to so try. It's time and be, for our crazy quiz round. <laughs> taxi, but no. I will say this, though. It is worth noting that prior to the exorcisms themselves, Anna had been diagnosed with the epilepsy, as we know, and the mood disorders from her local hospital, enough to the point where she had records of these things. Her parents obviously knew this because they took her to the hospital. They were the yep. ones who checked her in. Here's... Oh, this kills me. This, this, this is the bit where I'm sitting here clenching my fists. The priests knew this. The bishop knew this because they had copies. They requested copies of her medical records the bishops did and they that were given they were requested and they still did this anyway yeah that's that's very interesting isn't it why would they request copies of her medical history when they were gonna just completely ignore it anyway you know all i can think of right and this this might just be me being cynical but say this this actually worked Say something, some divine intervention happened, and this these sixty-seven exorcisms. You'd think you'd give up after four, but yeah. no, sixty-seven seems to be the magic fucking number. No, um, you'd think that what they would do is, if if it worked, they had our medical records, they could then go to some, you know, you know what it's like with Christianity when it's religion versus science, where they could go to any science institution and go, so here is common ailments that you get in mental health that you're claiming is mental health. Well, we have cured this by doing this. And once mm, again, possibly. religion tops science. Yeah, well, possibly. I'm sorry, if you're if you're one of the people that believes that you can expel demons, I'm also under the camp to believe that you're one of those people who defy science. Everything is is wrong. Well, yeah, unfortunately, I think in a lot of cases it's it's going to be the case, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. you you can't it's it's difficult to be, you know, to agree with a lot of science and also agree with a lot of faith, and that's not just Christianity. That's that's everything. So I'm going to move on to the actual exorcism itself here. Now, this guy's name is Priest Ernst Alt. It's a German name. Now I know that you're not a fan of when I do this, but I am changing the name, and he is now Priest Twatmunch. Now, I'm not saying his name again, but he is now known as Twat Munch, and I would like that to go down on the record. I'll get the book. Thank you. Go to Wikipedia, please. Things that Jay has changed. It's now seven volumes long. <laughs> so they met with this priest, and literally, on seeing her, he declared that, and this was the actual words. She, well, obviously in German, but, you know, translated to English. She didn't look like an epileptic. What the hell does oh, an epileptic on. look like? Crazy yes. with mental eyes like a cartoon character. No, no, no. She didn't look ep epileptic. And that, apparently, was enough for him wow. to go, yeah, she's possessed. That is, That was all it took for this man to start up this annoyance with the church to organize an exorcism. So he instantly started to believe that she was suffering from a demonic possession. That is because she didn't look epileptic. That is the reasoning. In a, in a letter to him, twat munch. Anna herself had wrote, bear in mind, she was mental at this point. I am nothing. Everything about me is vanity. What should I do? I have to improve. You pray for me. And also once told him, I want to suffer for other people, but this is so cruel. Now, the first one she sent because she was under some vague impression of hope that these people could help her. That second 
that second letter that he, that she'd sent, she'd had over ten exorcisms performed at that point. That is her begging. Yeah, that's a plea for help, isn't it? And he he read that and continued, didn't he? Absolutely continued. So in September of the same year, Bishop Josef Strangle, appropriate name for an arsehole, granted the priests permission to continue doing the exorcism. There was a guy called Renz, and he was like, if you will, the leader of the exorcism. Bit. So there was, like, as I said, there was four of them in a room. But Renz himself was like the, the one who was the mouthpiece who would do the actual ritual, this mm. ritual Romanum, as I it was called. I bet he spoke in many tongues. Oh, yeah, he had at least six in his pocket. Um, but what he, um, he started that first session on the 24th of September. Now, Anna began talking increasingly about dying to atone for her wayward youth of the day. I'm not sure why she's saying things like that. But as I said, at this point, she's off her meds. And I think mm. what she's literally she's just doing is she's quoting things that she's hearing around her and she's adapting it to herself because she yeah. feels like she's being punished here. And she she starts to refuse to eat at this point because now the exorcisms have started. Our parents stopped consulting doctors entirely now because apparently up till this point, they were still updating her. Uh, updating them on their on our condition and our doctors god love them they were on hand to explain look you got to do this you got to do that you need to make sure she's taking these blah 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 and, and once the exorcism started her parents just cut them off nothing yeah so you, even after you've got to assume that if uh if she if they still told the doctors what was going on the doctors would have said well she she needs to not do that and come into the hospital exactly but even after defying <laughs> medical explanation the doctors were still trying that's the thing. The only good people in this story were the doctors. They genuinely were. And they still kept trying, but they wouldn't answer calls. They wouldn't answer letters. One of them even went to her house. They wouldn't open the door. Wow. That's how bad this was. So that's, that's how this basically went. You can see the pattern here. She is getting worse. She's basically begging for help. And these priests don't give a crap. Now, each of these exorcism sessions were about four hours long, Jeez. where they would tie her to the bed. And when she's tied to the bed, and they would quote their Latin quotes at them, do this ritual with the candles, they would pour the holy water on her. Funnily enough, not a single demon came out to make themselves known. You know, they didn't actually do a hell of a lot. By the time that it got to the 67th session, she was basically a skeleton with skin painted on her. Yeah. That is what she looked like. And not at any point over the course of a year did either like, any of these three priests, the bishop or her parents, look and go, this isn't working. They just let it happen. She wasn't eating. She wasn't drinking. That on its own can be solved by taking her to the hospital. You but would think no. at least like one of these... You, I mean, obviously you'd think the parents, but you'd think also at least one of these priests doing this must just, you know... Pull one of the others inside. And say, look, this this girl hasn't eaten. Like, yeah, you think, you yeah. think, so you think you would. You yeah, know. I mean, that's that's at least five responsible adults there. Or I say responsible, mm. five adults. Like, you know, and it's not like this was in such ancient times that you know people didn't know they needed to eat and drink. You know, mm. um, it's yeah. it's ridiculous. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So as I said, that went on. She wasn't doing that. And eventually, after the 67th one, I think it was like two days afterwards, because, oh, yeah, they allowed her a rest 
a rest. <laughs> That's nice. So nice, isn't it? They allowed her some time to rest, and during that rest, she basically she went to sleep and she never woke up again. And you yeah. know what? I genuinely don't blame her. She hung on as long as she could with these absolute moronic cretins trying to fix her. And uh, well, that was that was the end of her story. Well, end of her anyway. Um, yeah, but afterwards, uh, investigation was opened up soon afterwards, and rightly bloody so. At least there was someone in that local authority, other than the doctors, who went, who heard this story from, because obviously the death had to be reported. Mm -hmm. And some, and the state prosecutor heard this and just went, what a pile of crap. What a pile of, I'm not accepting this as religion and exorcism. What you have done there is chained the girl to a bed for a year, and you've led to her death. So, the state prosecutor maintained that Anna's death could have been prevented even one week before she died. Because it's yeah. true. It, yeah. One week, if she just started taking fluids and some food, she I'm not saying she would have been fine. She most likely would have been even more mentally scarred than she was before, but she'd be alive. That is the main thing. And in 1976, the state ended up charging Anna's parents and the priests, all of them, and the bishop with ne- uh, negligent homicide. Now, the parents were defended by um, Eric Schmidt-Lichner. <laughs> Yeah, say say that name with a drink, can you? No, I'm surprised that's one you didn't change. No, no. Eric <laughs> Eric Schmidt Lichner, right? He was a lawyer provided by the church, so you know you could tell he's a Bible basher and all. Now the the state itself recommended that no involved parties be jailed. I I can honestly only imagine that this is a an agreement behind public scene where the church was basically giving some money here so as much as the state tried to do something good they mucked it up so badly Mm. by saying i don't believe jail time was a good thing they did get some jail time but as i said it was only three months it was obviously it was horrible now the prosecution concluded that the parents should be exempt from the punishment as they had suffered enough now I think that that is an emotional story that was told to the prosecution and the jury, which is often what a jury is there for anyway. And that is the whole point of a defense and a defense lawyer and a lawyer for the other side. I personally believe that they're, they, they went on not against like trying to make the bishops and the priests sound better. It was the, the parents did all they could. They were religious people. They were good people. They were this, they were that. They had a suffering daughter. They took them to science and science couldn't fix her. So they then took her to, you know, the church, blah, blah, blah. Paid on people's heartstrings. Because even back then, religion was a big deal to a lot of people. So even if they're there as a member of the court because of people who have just been a, a woman who's essentially been killed through an exorcism you've got to imagine that most of these were probably religious folks as well and are probably indoctrinated into thinking that if that was them they would have probably done the same thing so that's where i think that comes from if you tried that nowadays i'm pretty sure they would have been banged up the jury wouldn't give a crap yeah and i mean like i'm not i'm not debating the fact that they didn't try to do the right thing i just think they were a bit stupid to be to to let these priests do what they did for so long and not realize shit we need to get her to eat otherwise she's going to die now here here's here's the bit that really boils my potatoes nick oh boils sorry for the french language <laughs> but it was all right so during the actual trial itself obviously in a trial you give defense you know you can give your your defense in forms of evidence or from people giving witness statements or whatever so that priest twat munch 
as we named him earlier. He stood up and went and basically explained that when they, she was being taken to the hospital, that the hospital provided no help, basically shat all over the doctors. Uh, the, the hospital didn't do this. They didn't do that. They were the negligent ones. They failed to cure her, even though they were looking after her for five years, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then went on to go, but it's not all their problem because, you see, she did, in fact, have a demon inside her. And, and here is the quote, there is no injection against the devil. That was his defense. So he proper fought for the fact that she was actually demonically possessed. Even after everybody called them out on going, you're talking out your ass. This guy went on trial and publicly went out and was just like, okay, this is why we tried to help her. I, I would have heard that and thrown a brick at him. I would have then been thrown off the jury, but I would have been happy that I threw a brick at him. But would it, would it be worse if he said, yeah, no, the, the exorcism was a bunch of shit? You know what I mean? I'd that maybe, would be worse, I'd, right? I'd, I'd maybe I would That would be worse maybe. if he was like, actually, I don't really believe she was. No, uh, I maybe, I maybe would have respected him a little bit if he turned around and went, look, I got caught up in the religion thing. I just wanted to matter. And this seemed like my big break. I'm an arsehole. Do what yeah, but then, to do. but then he's... I guess he's admitting liability himself then. Whereas if he said, I really thought she had a devil inside her. Oh, no, I, 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 there is no, there is no way to make me look at this man as if what he's done is right. He is a twat bunch. That is why. I really, I did not pick that up. Good. Good. Thank you. Thank you. So anyway, more defense. They decided that, uh, what was it? They had come up with the, well, I say they came up with the idea that Annalise herself apparently had come up with the idea that uh, the demons that were in her head identified them, identified themselves as particular things. And some of these were, you know, the usual. Lucifer, Cain, Judas, Legion. The whole gang. Hitler. Because at Hitler. that point, you've ran out of demons. And you're like, who's the worst guy we know? Hitler. Right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure if they hadn't stopped them there and then because they felt that they had enough evidence, he would have went, Stalin... You know, the whole the whole gang. The whole the whole that gang. guy but, who kicked you know, the dog once. Mugabe, even though he's not dead yet. But you know, that's that that was the thing. So he was reading off all these demonic names. So apparently Hitler's a demon now, and we've got that on, on record in a trial, which means it's true. Now, now this is the next bit that really and I, I when the jury heard this, this is I think was the bit that made the jury turn around and go, Yeah, he's are getting convicted. Their um their their trial uh, attorney stood up and basically went and we have recorded evidence recorded evidence of her arguing with herself in tongues of course in tongues but in other languages and performing multiple voices coming out of her at the same time play the tape they played the tape and the tape was the noise of poor Anna literally crying for help not once did her voice change. She wasn't talking in tongues. She wasn't. She was crying. She was moaning in pain. And she was just clearly suffering. How did they think that that would fly? I've got, I've got an answer. I've got an answer. I've got an answer. Bing, 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 bing. JJ Pudding. Salty speculation. Um, they're morons. That's why. They are so wrapped up in their own beliefs that they do not see that what they're talking about is talking out of their arse. But they thought that that was viable evidence. That's why they put it into court with such confidence. Absolute morons. Not at any point 
and I think this is the thing that upsets me the most. Not at any point out of these three priests, the bishop, the a defense attorney, none of them have admitted we were wrong and our mistake led to the death of a young girl. They defended this all the way and still do. I don't know if these guys are still living, if they're still with us, if they're still members of the church. And I'll tell you for why I don't know. Because I personally don't care. They have lost their right to be anything other than the religious murderers who killed a poor little girl, who convinced her parents that they were doing the wrong thing and through fear of God that the only way to save her from hell was to put her through a year of hell. They don't deserve their story being told. So I won't look into it. By all means, you guys can. Nick, you can certainly do that as well. Now, I will say that's pretty much the story over. That was the evidence they gave. You know they got convicted. You know they have that record. And this is a very, very strange thing. I'm not sure if it's because of the controversy or just the way that they do things in Germany around the case or whatever. But obviously, Anna's body was in a um was in a morgue um because they had to do like an autopsy and everything else because mm -hmm. it was a uh what you call it a, a criminal prosecution yeah sure so essentially what happened was uh, she she was then basically buried by the state rather than by her parents and yeah, i think that's okay. because the trial started soon after yeah and it and was the, like, at this point you don't know if the yeah the yeah and, are, and it's uh, like they're they're yeah. not going to hold on to the remains or anything and again like technical advancements aren't like what they are now i'm pretty sure they couldn't store a body for that long time so what essentially happened was the state themselves buried her, and and of course the state's not going to pay for you know all the bells and whistles and the roses no, no. and you know the big you know and what had happened was it, it it hit the newspapers that after what happened to this poor poor girl that the state, they, they tried to blame the state. They tried to make it seem as if the state heartlessly threw her away in a basic grave and all this sort of stuff. But no, the state was the only one really who did the right thing. And they still provided her with, with a burial site, mm. a headstone and all this other stuff. And because people were blaming the state, it was almost like they were shifting the blame from religion and the parents to, oh my God, I can't believe the state did that. So her actual burial site became like this unofficial pilgrimage place for right. people who were like like actual fully devout Christians that had this sort of connection when it came to like exorcisms and possessions and that kind of thing. So I, I'd imagine it's the kind of people that took a, a vested interest in it that wanted to become like exorcists and that kind of thing. And there would pe people would show up at her grave to pray and do rituals and stuff. And you're like, the the woman suffered enough. Yeah, yeah. Leave her the fuck alone. So a few years later, after like the trial had, had obviously ended and they'd served their prison sentence and everything else, the, the, the parents themselves requested to the state that we want to have her exhumed um, because we, we want to bury her correctly. We don't want her in a cheap coffin. We don't want this. We don't want that. Um, and eventually the state it took them, I think it was like another two years after the initial report. Hmm. The state itself basically turned around and was like, okay, right, we see what you're, where you're coming from. Um, we will make sure that she is exhumed safely um, and that it's respectful. What we would like you to do is pay for not so much a funeral, but like proper 
relocation and everything else. So they got her a very nice, apparently they got her a very nice uh, coffin and, and everything else. They got her a very uh, nice headstone. And she was then reportedly reburied somewhere else. And the state didn't announce the site, like how it was and yeah, when she initially probably died. Probably for the best. And what this was doing was it was to discourage people showing up yeah. and doing like any more like weird rituals. Except the dickhead that was the leader of the exorcism, Renz, that utter, decided to leak the thing on his own and just decided to tell the people who enjoyed this pilgrimage the new location of her burial site. I, if, I, if, uh, I'm telling you, I, if, if I ever met that man, I'd give him an exorcism. I would. I genuinely would. I would expunge his brain from his head. Because that is what he's made me do. Now, I will say this, that after this case, there was a sort of bright side because Germany basically turned around in spite of Rome and went, don't you ever, ever attempt to do an exorcism in this country again. Don't you dare. And it was actually put into one of the official uh, religious doctrines from Pope Benedict. He basically put that Germany is exempt from exorcism. Not the world, just Germany. Um, but, I mean, it took a hell of a lot to get to that point. Now, this is a very strange thing, and it has absolutely nothing to do with the actual case itself. But it is worth noting that the house where all this happened and where Anna, poor Annalise, passed away, was burnt to the ground mysteriously on the 6th of June 2013, with no reasoning behind it. Absolutely no reason. Where, there was, was, were they still they, living there? Or? No, no, they, they'd long gone at that point. It was just the yeah. overall house itself. Now, I know that that is probably just a random fire. But they did do, because obviously it was a famous house because of the story itself, they mm. did do a lot of investigations into it. There was no electrical causes. There was no random sparks. There was no point of access for the fire. The, apparently this fire just sprung to life, burnt the house down within a night. House was in centers. Now, that, there goes the house. The torture house is now gone, and it'll never come back. And I get that it was many, 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 many years afterwards. And I know that there is absolutely no connection to Annalise's story there. But to make myself feel better, I am genuinely under the belief that she eventually broke free from wherever she is and went, right, let's burn this mother down. And I hope, and I genuinely hope she just quite, she just erupted in a ball of raging fire from whatever spiritual plane she's in, burnt the place to the gown, and then went off to have a happy, happy afterlife. That's what I genuinely hope to believe. I thought you were going to say a happy meal. I just about spat my drink out there. <laughs> she, she burned it to the ground, had a strawberry milkshake, had a McNugget, and away she went. I think if there's ever a sort of case where someone might res get resurrected and come back to you know, avenge themselves, destroy Christianity, maybe the parents. This would be the one. This is the yeah. one that I could believe she would actually rise from the dead. And, yes. Uh, and I, I hope mean, she did. That That is a rage spirit, if ever I've heard one. Like, there's there's everything there that would, would make someone manifest themselves in pure hatred. You'd think, though, that she'd, she'd do that after having the Happy Meal. You know? Yeah. She got the I wrong mean, toy. 
uh, she'd see the price of it now and the quality and just that would be it but i mean like that is unfortunately that is the end um of of annalise and her story and it is a story it's a story that should never have happened as with both our stories that is true that is true and i can only apologize to our listeners because as i've said before that nick is the smart one and i'm the more passionate of the two and this is true because you know he's soulless but I could not contain my rage as much as I'd hoped to, whereas Nick did a very good job. So I commend him for what he's if done. If I was soulless, how could I be possessed and then exercised? Oh, look, look there's many variables in this story, Nick. Just don't fight. <laughs> I'm going to go get a Happy Meal, and if you're still here... <laughs> <laughs> the, point, the, point, the, the point I'm trying to make is that Nick told a very disturbing story and a very gruesome story at that, and did it very very well and emotionally disconnected if you will i could not do that and for that i can only apologize for not being my lovely bubbly self as i normally am and uh i i don't apologize for calling the reverend a twat bunch or for saying that i wanted to decapitate them because those are all very true things but i will be back to funniness and all that stuff next week but for once <laughs> you got serious reverend jj <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting isn't it that both our deaths occurred in 1975 so that was a a, a bad year for exorcisms yeah certainly a turning point i don't uh, know when there was a good year for exorcisms but um you know this was a bad year when you were doing your research right obviously you would have come across the the wikipedia page like i did um hmm. with all the recorded ones um, which of which there are not many. I mean, there's there's still a good like twenty or so there, but like it's not like other Wikipedia entries where the you know the list just keeps going on. But did you not find that pretty much every one of them ended in death of someone? Well, well that's what I mean. All the all the real documented ones, mm. like they they didn't turn out well. Um, I don't like I say I don't know what other stories there are, and what other like less documented ones there are. You've got to assume that you know probably in some countries and some places. These things still happen. There's also having to look into other religions as well, because yeah, like yeah. other religions aren't as under the magnifying glass as Christianity exactly. is. Exactly. Christianity being obviously, if not the biggest. I mean, I realise that there's you know there's other faiths and there's probably other faiths with considerably more supporters, but Christianity is the one that every single person in the world is aware of in one shape or, or another. Um, yeah. So it's always under that magnifying glass. But I'm sure if you looked into other cultures, other religions, other religions which aren't deemed major religions but are still considered religions, they probably have their own stories too. Yeah, sure. sure. Um, and you'd probably have to really research deep to find these ones. Um, but yeah, it's it's it is still a thing that happens, and it really shouldn't. It really, really shouldn't. Back then, you could almost be forgiven. Almost. I don't say you can be, but almost. For the fact that we didn't understand mental health and stuff the way that we do now. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. But even then, yet we still were aware of its existence and the things that it could do. Nowadays, it, we've witnessed how easy it is to slip into some mental health diagnosis whether it be from stress or trauma or just unfortunately you were born with your your wires a little bit crossed right yeah, sure. and and you know no one can be blamed for that but we now know the signs we now know the triggers and we now know how to treat and how to spot these things from happening the fact that in like 2021 things like this still happen that's inexcusable absolutely inexcusable 
And if you're involved in something like that, I'm sorry, but I don't care what any god says. You're a terrible, terrible person. I don't think any of our listeners are going to be involved in stuff like that. They're too busy listening to this podcast. I wasn't saying our listeners are terrible people. Yes, you were. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if our listeners do have any problems with mental health, I know that listening to us can help them deal with that. I'm not saying that we cure mental illness, but I'm not saying that we don't cure mental illness. I'm just saying we don't make it worse. And they can listen to us, Jay. Where? Well, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, that thing breaker. And we're also starting to use our YouTube channel now. So you will notice that we've got a few little tidbits going up there. Yep. And in the future, that will get more. So if you like to, to watch YouTube or listen to podcasts on YouTube, have a look at that. Share it with your friends. Share it with your dog. Share it with anyone with ears. I'm happy. Uh, we do have an email address that if you feel that you have been possessed by a demon, you can write in and tell us. And that email address is what, Nick? Speculation at gmail.com. On our Instagram, which you can find at the Salty Speculation, you will find us posting various little things throughout the week about this episode. You will also find us posting random stuff that has nothing to do with this episode, but we'd love you to join us and hear our content. Thank you very much, Jay. That's very informative. You're absolutely right. So if we were to sum this episode up, how would we do it? Because mm, Quickly. <laughs> very, very, quick, very quickly. I would just like to leave it on a note that if you ever see a butcher, that is surrounded by crucifixes and he is claiming that he is Satan, run the other way. Or if you are a teenager and you find when you come home from school one day, there are three priests and a bishop in your living room, run the other way. I wonder if the demon I exercised from you was Keith. Keith. Keith.